Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Amen. Thank you, Trevor. And welcome to Three Creeks. My name is Joel, and I get to be the pastor here. And today, we're going to do three, uh, week three of this four-week series. Two weeks ago, we talked about our Father, who is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about how prayer is not about imposing our will, but about surrendering it and acknowledging that his ways are higher than ours and that he's good. And, and that's, that's really the heart of prayer in the beginning of it. And then last week, Derek Juan came and talked about, give us today our daily bread. And I loved it. And I was so thankful that he shared that. And I all... I, one thing I took away from Derek's message was this idea that I'm not necessarily supposed to be praying for enough bread for the year or enough bread for the month, but just for my daily bread, just enough. And Derek talked to me, I forget if he shared it with the whole church, but he maybe he just shared it with me, but this idea of just praying and asking God to intervene and come into the next 24 hours of my life. And I got in the habit this week of just looking at my calendar on the, at night, I looked at the next 24 hours, and I just found myself praying about things that I typically don't pray about. Meetings that I had coming up, conversations that I knew were coming. And even this week, my prayer life, it is different because of what Derek, Derek shared. And then this week, I get to talk, like Trevor said, about verse uh, Matthew six twelve, which says, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And I was in a meeting this week with a bunch of Gehenna pastors and leaders, and the mayor happened to be there, and we were sitting around the table, and each pastor got to go around and just share with the group what they had recently been preaching about or what series they were in, and I said, we're in the Lord's Prayer, and I said, we've done this, you know, the first half, essentially, and now we're kind of moving into this part about forgiveness, and, and the mayor of Gehanna, Mayor Jadwin, she said, she, she looked at me and pointed, she said, that right there, that's the hardest part. And I said, I know it is. It definitely is the hardest part. When I got done writing this week's message on Thursday, Morgan, my wife, asked me how I was feeling. And I said, I just feel like there's a thousand pounds on my shoulders because of what I have to say on Sunday. Because this one's, at least for me, and I think probably for everybody, this one's the hardest one. This is the hardest Part, look at it. It says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So the first part, it requires some humility. It requires acknowledging that you do need forgiven for something. But if you get there, that part feels great. We get mercy. We get grace. We just have the ability to ask God in our prayers for forgiveness. But the second part, as we also have forgiven our debtors, that is challenging. That, for me, is very hard to do because if you're anything like me, you love receiving mercy, but you want justice for everybody else. You're not, you're not against grace 
for yourself, but you would rather it be very fair for everybody else. Is anybody else like me? When I'm driving and I'm going down the road and I realize, oh, there's my exit, and I see that there are already cars lined up to go off of that exit, and I realize that I'm a little bit too far to get in the back of the line, but in this moment, there's nothing I want more than a little bit of grace. And so I just kind of start inching my car over, and I might even roll down the window and give a little smile. Can I come in? And I just wait until I find that car that will show me mercy. And I just kind of nudge over, and then I give the little wave in the wind, in, in, you know, to the back. Thank you so much. And then somebody else comes and tries to do it to me. And I am bumper to bumper with the car in front of me. I'm turning the other way like I don't even see him. I turn up the radio. See, I wanted mercy, but I want justice. You got to go to the next exit and turn around and come back. Or when I'm late to a meeting, I, I expect mercy. I mean, I, I text ahead and go, hey, going to be eight minutes late. I just expect them to say, no problem. Life's busy. Things come up. We get it. No problem at all. But if someone is late to meet with me, I'm like, the irresponsibility. Like, they can't even plan ahead. Don't you know how far it takes? I, I just, I love mercy. I expect mercy. But I love justice for everybody else. The thing about this part of the prayer is that it's less about demanding justice and more about dispersing mercy. What Jesus says to the disciples is that every time that we pray, when we're by ourselves, when we're in a group, it's just appropriate to ask the Lord to forgive us for our sins, to forgive us for the sins that we know that we committed, for the sins that we don't know that we committed, for the sins that nobody else knows about. The humility to ask for forgiveness actually opens up the channel for the rest of the prayer. There's multiple times in Scripture where sin and the pride of holding on to it actually blocks the ability to even pray to God. And so every prayer, to some extent, should have this acknowledgement that we need forgiven for our sins. And in a moment, he does it. And so when we pray, we, we come in and we go, God, forgive me for my irritability with my kids. And forgive me for my pride in that situation that I had at work. And God, forgive me for my selfishness. And we just kind of list out the things that we know that we need forgiven for. And that's, that's the first part. That's the part where we get mercy. As we also have forgiven our debtors. And when I read that, I go, man... This prayer implies that we've already done that. Asking for forgiveness only goes with, as we also have forgiven our debtors, it implies that it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to ask for mercy if we're not willing to give it to others. Two verses later after this, technically not in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus circles back to this topic of forgiveness. Look what he says in verse 14, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I read that this week, and I went, whoa! That doesn't sit well with me. 
It seems a little harsh, Jesus. Did you really mean that, Jesus? And, and when he said that to the disciples, they thought the same thing. They went, wow, that, that phrase kind of jumps off the page here, Jesus. So much so that they remember it, and they ask him a follow-up question 12 chapters later in Matthew. They, Jesus said, if you forgive other people, they sin against you, your father will forgive yours. But if you don't, your father won't forgive yours. And so 12 chapters later, they circle back. They say, Peter, will you go ask a clarifying question about what Jesus meant when he said that? And so in Matthew 18, verse 21, Peter comes to Jesus and asks, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. How many times do I have to forgive people when they speak against me, when they hurt me, when it's just over and over and over? How many times? I mean, we understood the part, Jesus, where you said that we're supposed to forgive people like you have forgiven us. We get that part. But how many times? And Jesus says, no, not seven times. That was the, that was the rule of the Pharisees at the time. Not seven times, but 70 times seven. And I'm sure Peter's trying to do the math in his head. That's 490 times, Jesus. This is going to be challenging to keep track of, Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm not, not asking you to do multiplication. I'm talking about your heart. And then Jesus, true to form, tells him a story. And in this story, he illustrates what it means, really, to be a Christian he, he describes the heart behind forgiveness. So in verse 23, he says, Jesus says to the disciples, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. And he couldn't pay so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Even though he couldn't have even done that in his lifetime. He says, just be patient with me. I will pay it all. And his master was filled with pity for him. And he released him and forgave his debt. Million-dollar debt wiped away. He even offered to pay. He said, just be patient. I'll figure this out. He said, you know what? Forget about it. The debt has been paid, and I'm wiping it away. But the man, when he left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Not that much compared to a million. And he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little bit more time. He said, be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor, this guy, wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And I, I read that story. I just imagine it happening. I go, are you kidding me? You were just forgiven millions of dollars and now somebody owes you a couple grand and you don't have the mercy in your heart to pass that on to somebody that owes it to you? I mean, that was a good story until the forgiven guy didn't forgive anybody else. And then I've imagined that story 
where he did pass it on. Where the king says to him, you are forgiven for this million plus dollar debt. And then this guy goes away and a servant comes to him and says, I only owe you a couple thousand, but just be patient with me. And I imagine this person passing on the mercy and saying, you know what? Somebody forgave me, and so just because of that, I will forgive you too. I imagine the story going like that, and I go, yes, I like this story. Even though it's kind of unfair, it's fair. Even though it's not, you know, the math doesn't add up exactly, it just, it makes sense. It's fair. It makes sense for a forgiven person to forgive people. And when the other servants saw this, they were very upset. And they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And the angry king sent the man to, be, to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And Jesus doubles down on what he said in Matthew 6. He says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. He says it again. What Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand is that forgiven people forgive people. In this story, God is the king. And the one who owes a million dollars, the one who cannot pay it back, that in this story is all of us. And through Jesus, we are the forgiven ones. And in the same way, if we go through our lives holding grudges, Remaining bitter, harboring resentment, even wishing ill will on someone who hurt us. Then in some sense, it's, it's, if anybody would see that happen, they would have the same reaction as we had when we just read that story that Jesus told. Where we go, man, that was a good story until the forgiven person didn't forgive anybody. Now it just... It's almost like the the forgiven person doesn't really get it. Like they don't even really understand what happened to them. A, A couple years later, after all of this happened, Paul, he's talking to a bunch of Christians in a city called Colossae. And he writes them a letter. And he doubles down once again on what Jesus was trying to tell the disciples about forgiveness, Paul writes to the Colossians in chapter 3. He says, make allowance for each other's fault. Make, just understand that it's going to happen. Make allowance for it. Plan on it. Create margin for it. People are going to disappoint you. People that love you the most. People in your family, your spouse, your kids. They're going to disappoint me. Make allowance. Just expect it. Make allowance for each other's fault. And forgive anyone who offends you. Paul doesn't say forgive people who are sorry. Forgive people who you've 
given enough time. He says, forgive anyone who offends you. I realize this question is going to be answered by every person in here, probably with a different name. But who is, for you, that anyone? Who is the person in your life that you have had the hardest time forgiving? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. What Paul is trying to say and what Jesus is saying is that forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people who hurt you on accident. And I know that that has happened. They didn't necessarily mean to hurt you, but they did. And, and forgiven people forgive those people. And forgiven people forgive people who hurt you on purpose, who actually intended to harm you. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people who haven't said sorry. Forgiven people forgive people who don't deserve it. They just forgive people. Not because they deserve it, but because God forgives us. And so you, you could word it this way, that forgiving others is giving others what God gave us. On both a theological and practical level, forgiveness is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And so I ask you that question again. Who is that anyone for you? Who's the hardest person to forgive in all of your life? I mean, everybody in the room has an answer for that. And, and I, I just, I'll just say this plainly, like, we should forgive them. We should forgive them. And I almost feel a little uncomfortable saying that. And here's why. It feels like for a second, like all of a sudden, I'm beginning to advocate for the person who offended you. For the person who hurt you. As if I'm trying to say something like, you know, hasn't it been long enough? They didn't really hurt you that bad. Can't you find it in your heart? You'll probably feel better. Be nice to them. It feels like I'm saying that, and I'm not. It's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that nobody hurt you, and I'm not saying that it's been long enough, and I'm not saying that... That's not, I'm not advocating for them. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we should forgive them. And in saying that, I'm advocating for us. I'm advocating for us because when you forgive somebody, when I forgive somebody, it is as if we are setting a prisoner free and then coming to realize that the prisoner was us. So we should forgive them. And I'm not up here saying that that will be easy. And I'm also not saying that forgiveness is forgetting. It's not the same. And I'm not saying that forgiveness is fair because it's not. But I, for one, am thrilled that forgiveness is not based on fairness. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. When, you, when I think about my own life and I go, 
man, I, I'm a Christian and my sins have been forgiven and none of that has been based on fairness. Like Romans 3.23 couldn't spell it out any clearer that the wages of sin is death. Therefore, me, Joel, sinner, born that way, continuing to sin all of my life, the wages of that is death, but the gift of God, the forgiveness of my sins, is eternal life. And so I'm thrilled for me that forgiveness is not based on fairness. So in the act of forgiving someone, we are at the same time acknowledging that we too need forgiven, that we like mercy, and we like it not just for us, but we just like it. Even though it's unfair, we, we celebrate the fact that there is grace and mercy in the world, that God initiated that. So you see, forgiveness, it just is not about what someone did to us, but rather what God did for us. That is what is at the heart of forgiveness. And then this is the part that I just, I almost just wanted to delete it. I want, I, I literally, as I wrote it out, I thought, I just want to just select this whole page and just hit backspace and get to the end. But then I would be doing this text a disservice and I couldn't be trusted as a pastor because this is what Jesus said. And so as I say this, I hope that you'll have it in your hearts to just consider whether or not you want to follow Jesus in this. This isn't a suggestion. Jesus is not saying to the disciples in Matthew 6 or chapter 18, you guys should think about this. You guys should consider forgiving people who have offended you. You'll probably feel better afterwards. You might want to give it a shot. It's not the tone that Jesus takes with this. I mean, he says, if you're unwilling to forgive others, then the Father won't forgive you. And as I was reading about this, I, I read something that Tim Keller, who is a great pastor who wrote about this, and, and he summarized it better than I could. So I don't usually like to read long quotes. I don't think this one's too long. It's just three sentences, but this is what he says. This does not mean that we can earn God's forgiveness through our own forgiving, but that we can disqualify ourselves from it. No heart that is truly repentant toward God could be unforgiving toward others. A lack of forgiveness towards others is the direct result of a lack of repentance toward God. And as you know, you must repent to be saved. And so, man, it's not a request, it's a requirement. Jesus is saying that if you really understand the gospel and you really understand that you were the one that owed millions of dollars to the king and you're the one that's been forgiven, then if you understand that, then it will only be natural for you to say, you know what, I'm going to pass that on. And so in our prayers, we ask for forgiveness, but in our lives, we try to give it away to people that don't deserve it, to people that haven't said sorry, to people that hurt us on deep levels. Forgiveness, this is important, forgiveness can be granted before it is felt. Forgiveness can be granted before it is felt. 
before you feel it in your heart, you can give it away. Because for me, I don't always feel forgiven by the Lord as quickly as he forgives me. God grants it to me, and I don't feel it in the moment. If I just mess up for the thousandth time in the same category, and I'm going, Lord, I'm so sorry. I've screwed up again. Like in that moment, my sins are just wiped away, and sometimes it takes me a little bit of extra time for me to feel it. And so I just want to close today's message by giving you a minute to think about this. Giving you a minute to to chew on Jesus' words and go, who's my anyone? Who's the person in my life who has hurt me on a deep level? It's happened to all of us. It happened to me recently. And maybe you too. But who's that person that God wants you to forgive in the same way that God has forgiven you? I hope that you'll think about this, and I hope that you will grant it, and I hope that you will experience freedom because of it. I told you I felt heavy, and I think this is just going to keep feeling heavy if we don't listen to Jesus. That's just my honest opinion. I just think if we go, ah, I don't want to deal with that, I just think we walk out of here just like, man. But if we, if we understand that forgiving others is giving others what God gave us, and forgiveness is not about what they did to us, but what God did for us, I think we can try to get there, and I think freedom is on the other side. So let me pray. Lord, I... This is so hard because because the pain is real. Lord, before we ask you to forgive us for our sins, which we do need to do, I pray that you would help us to, from our hearts, to grant forgiveness. And that in doing so, you would free us from that prison that we've been living in. And then we would be able to receive mercy on us. And that you would lead us to feel free. You say, God, that if we follow you, that the burden is easy and the yoke is light. And so I guess it would make sense that if the burden feels heavy and the yoke is heavy, that that we're not following you. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us to follow you, to listen to you, to do what you say. And on the other side, God, I pray that you would give us freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com.